It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Number one for the one and only DNVR. Two goes out to Zach Mesake at the bar. Three for Mr. B in that old trophy case. Number four we're still waiting for. Well, bring on the chase. Out on the field, mile high, Broncos win is our desire. Couple with brick. DNVR, we are live today from Studio C. That's when we're at home. The C today stands for close, as in we are close to learning all about the Denver Broncos schedule. Of course, we will be Let's live go. tonight at six o'clock, right when the schedule drops, uh, giving our instant reactions to exactly the layout of the Denver Broncos schedule. And of course, we'll uh, go from there to uh, our to getting into some record predictions because that's always fun. Um, so tune in at six o'clock tonight. You're getting a little double dose of us, uh, and it uh, should be a good one. Guys, why why does this day feel so big? Because we already know the opponents, but still, I, I get pumped up for this tonight, finding out exactly the schedule. But in reality, this shouldn't be a big deal. And I know some people feel that way, but other people love finding out exactly how the schedule is going to unfold. I think for people, it's you kind of start planning, right? Like, okay, now we know when the Sunday night games are, when the Monday night games are, when the Thursday night games are. If you're a Broncos fan outside of the market, but let's say you're in the mid-Atlantic, you're looking at that Baltimore game and thinking, oh, is it possible for me to go watch my my guys play up in Baltimore? If you're in Southern California, you're circling those days when the Broncos play the Rams and the Chargers. You obviously know the Rams won already, but not the Chargers won. I think it's a big big deal because – you feel like you've known the who and now you know the when, and now you feel like you can kind of start planning the next several months out here. And uh, then it, it kind of becomes more real when you can say, okay, we're playing, uh, we're playing the Rams in week 16. We're playing the Panthers in, I don't know, week six. Like it get it, at that point, I feel like it becomes more tangible. That's yeah. why it's something. For me, it's a big deal because I am a simple minded NFL loving sheep. Um, and whatever they feed me, uh, I'm like, oh yeah, give me some more of this grain. I love this grain. Um, so, so so you like that they've been slow feeding you over this past week. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Just give me a trough, fill it with whatever, and I'm going to eat it up. It doesn't, it doesn't even matter. I'm not even smart enough to decipher what it is. Someone (laughs) yesterday was like, um, when I put out my reactions to the rookie numbers, um, someone was like why does this matter and i was like it it doesn't but i have nothing better to do it's may 10th i don't know it kind of does matter and and we didn't talk about this yesterday but uh and ryan i'm pretty sure that your rookie or your your number ratings reflected this but nick bonito oh no oh no what are we doing here i mean we're talking about he's wearing casey Kreider's <laughs> number of 42 oh, yeah. oh i don't i don't like this start for him you gotta you gotta think beyond the broncos yeah. no. what ronnie lott that's the only one no you gotta think beyond football oh yeah see <laughs> I, mean, got, I can't do that yeah that's jackie robinson i mean i think that's a 
I think anybody wearing 42 is is great. I don't care what position. I don't care what sport. It works. And then for me being a, you know, uh, for I've all, I was a James Worthy fan uh, growing up. I mean, James Worthy wore um, 42 with the Lakers. You know, there there have been a lot of great 42s. I'm, it for didn't me, bother me. For me, there are specific numbers for specific sports. If you're like a college player or something that wears 42 in baseball, I'm like, that's dope. Like, great nod. Um, but in football, it just looks bad, so I can't get past that. Uh, but someone did respond to me like, damn, I can't believe the Broncos drafted a long snapper in the second round. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it, that's what it feels like. Uh, there were some good numbers out there, though. I, I really like Greg Dulcich wearing number 80. Yep. I think uh, he nailed that. Uh, I, I personally like any wearing number 96. I know I, I know Shelby Harris isn't a fan of that. think it should be uh, hung up for him. But uh, I, I, I'm going to address this. Um carefully i guess um because shelby obviously feels very passionate about it and and he's entitled to feel that way but um in the most respectful way i can say it he has no ground to stand on i mean yeah i mean yeah. How, how many how many jerseys are, are retired with the broncos and how many jerseys stay out of circulation after a player wears them but aren't retired I, I can think of two 24. right now. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Th- and those, and are, those are those are Hall of Fame guys. Literally, one was a first ballot Hall of Famer. Number probably should be retired. And the second is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And the thing that sucks is like, again, he's he's totally entitled to feel that way. And and, you know, he um, he he also didn't say it should be retired. He just said crazy, mm-hmm. um, which, mm-hmm. again, like, again, I. I get it. You know, these guys are competitors. They feel like they gave a lot to an organization, um, which he did. Uh, you know, like I, it's understandable. The problem is like, then people start c- coming at him directly saying like, dude, you weren't even that important. Like, what are you talking about? Then he gets more upset. So I, yeah. I understand the whole thing. I'll just say like, no way, dude. like no way, no way would they hold that aside, especially because, there's only so many numbers and there's a ton of players, especially right now. There's a ton of players. Right. I mean, you look at the nineties, for example, with, uh, with, with any getting 96 and Matt Henningsen getting 91, all the 90 numbers are, are, are accounted for. Yeah. There's literally, I mean, what, is, I mean, what is he, what is he supposed to do? I mean, I'm going through the seventies, I guess. Uh, that that Ooh, was an option. No, no. no have, can't do I, that. I mean, that's, had, that's like forty-two on an outside linebacker. Could have had seventy-one. Oh my or god! No, 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 stop! Yeah. You're making me sick right now, Maze. I can't. I but can't yeah, do but, it. But I mean, you look at uh, hey, Drew Drew Locke's number got reissued the day the day he was traded. Uh, Noah Fant's number got reissued as soon as Eric Tomlinson could choose a number. It. I mean, it, Shelby actually got longer to preserve his legacy in 96 than the other guys who were traded here. Here's what I'll say about, about Shelby and, and credit to him for this. He, that, that was already a good number, but he made it a dope number in Denver these past few years. He looks so good in 96. And and if I'm any coming in, I'm seeing what 96 looks like in a Broncos Jersey. And I'm saying, hell yeah, I want that number. So it's a credit to Shelby for making it, uh, a, a really good number, Ryan. Did, was that the one that you put fire uh, emojis next to? Yep, yep. Yeah, my that's favorite exactly choice how I of feel. all of them. I, um, I think it's a, I think it's a fantastic number, and I think Shelby over these past few years made it look really good. And I just have to tell my guy Henry here that he's wrong in the comments. First of all, he said <laughs> his first comment was crazy, man. And if no one would have responded, then yeah, you probably could have made that case that like he did, he wasn't saying no one should use it. He just said that's crazy, but. Then someone responded to him and he quote tweeted them and was like, sorry, I've accomplished more in my life than you. And I expect to be respected. So that's him saying that no one should be wearing it. Not right. him just saying it's crazy or whatever. Again, right, right. Um, I don't, I don't expect him to not feel that way. I just, mm-hmm. he doesn't have a great case. Yeah. yeah. Is he, is he wearing 96 in Seattle? I believe, no I believe so. But I mean, he's been around the NFL long enough to know the old cliche about the NFL stands for not for long right i mean and again yeah. 90s there's only there's only you know nine good numbers or 10 good numbers for defensive linemen so like it's not even like they could use like one or something you know like they're they oh. have the smallest 
window of good numbers. He's got 93 in Seattle. Okay. There you go. Interesting. Um, he seemed very attached to it. Yeah. He's, he, oh, wait. He can't have 96. I guess Cortez Kennedy. Ah, there yeah, you go. Yeah, that's right. Um, okay. Uh, I guess that's enough number talk. Uh, but, yeah, <laughs> the schedule release is awesome. I don't know. I want to drill. I want to start thinking about like the way, like what are the watch parties going to look like expecting at least six primetime games. Like that's so exciting to start thinking about. We had two last year. One was Thursday night football and both like parties at the bar were incredible. So just thinking about all those night games is going to be sweet. Um, knowing like who to start thinking about in week one. That's sweet. Like, I don't know. There's a, there's, it's just fun, fun day. Well, and, and on top of that, Ryan, you said the Broncos had two uh, primetime games last year. They only had one when the schedule came out, which was the, the mandatory Thursday night game. And uh, I saw Benjamin Albright uh, put out over under Broncos primetime games four and a half. And we've been talking about it like it's, it's of course, going to be over. It's going to be six primetime games for the Broncos. They are going to have so many night games, uh, nearly half of their games. I expect eight of their games to be special games, primetime or Christmas uh, or that London game. It's They're going to be all over the place here. Yeah. Yeah. I put out a schedule prediction. I spent like 20 minutes on it and um, I don't think it was very good. I don't think it was very good. You probably got two right. I think you got two right. Ryan. <laughs> I definitely got two right. But after I tweeted it, I realized I, I didn't put any easy games in the second half of the schedule. That would be uh that would be brutal for the Broncos. It was just a complete gauntlet from the bye week on. Nope, nope. That's what you want. We talked about it a couple <laughs> days ago. That's what you want. <laughs> Maybe that's why my internal biases <laughs> right. were uh, were kicking in. Right. Hey, hey, uh, Jet, look, the New York Jets on New Year's Day is just fine by me. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, that's that's great by me. That's that's yeah. what I want. Get the yeah. hard games out of the way. They're no, the easy it, ones. But I want them. I want them spread out. I, I want. I want one easy game, roughly a quarter. That'd That's, be nice. Yeah, just just enough to where if you if you lose a couple of games, you've got that opportunity to kind of pick yourself up, get back on your feet. You know, you, 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 sometimes you need some slump busters built into the schedule. So that's why I like kind of a good balanced schedule over the course yeah. of the year. Alex says, I'm hyped for tonight so I can plan my trips to Seattle, Baltimore, and Carolina. Tickets go on sale tonight, too. And now at DNVR stream, I'm going to have so many windows open. My question is, what about Denver? What about your trip to Denver? Oh, that's a great point. We know the Broncos are going to have some really good games. Yep, exactly. Um, Okay. You guys uh, talked to KJ Hamler yesterday, and I thought it was an interesting interview. He had a lot of cool things to say. Um, Zach, why don't you take us through kind of what that interview looked like and, and what you thought was the most interesting piece? Yeah, I mean, KJ w- was very raw and, and real and open about the struggles that, that he's gone through since September. Week three, of course, we all remember KJ tore his ACL in that home game against the Jets. And what we found out was he didn't just tear his ACL in that single play. He tore his ACL, and then he also dislocated his hip on the same side. So he had on one side of his body, a dislocated hip, which had to have surgery to be fixed. He had uh, in his knee, his ACL was gone. So he, that had to be fixed. And then a couple of months later, he lost his grandma who he said the only person closer to him uh, than his grandma was his mom. So emotionally, physically, he was just extremely down. And he admitted yesterday that he's still not out of that dark place, but it certainly is on the up and up for him. Look, seven months out of having those surgeries, he was running 19 to 20 miles an hour. So physically, he's doing a lot better. Mentally, he's doing better. He said he's still in that dark spot, but he, but he's seeing the light and being around the guys, being around football, playing on the field is what's taking him out. So KJ really has been through it in the worst way possible, both physically and mentally these past couple of months. But the good thing, is you can see him start coming out of this. Yeah, I think it's really great and important um, when athletes open up about their mental health. Um, You know, there's obviously, I think just as a society, we're doing a really good job of breaking down the stigma, but it certainly still exists. Um, And 
especially in football, there's like underlying tones of like toxic masculinity all over the place. Um, and, and, you know, I think there was a time when people would have expected a football player to keep that sort of stuff in, you know, um, and say like, you're supposed to be the big, tough, strong guy. Um, like we, you know, you shouldn't be showing weakness by saying that you've been in a dark place and you've been struggling. Um, so first of all, I just want to, you know, um, tip my cap to KJ for being open and honest about that. And, um, you know, you hope that he has all the resources that he could possibly need to to feel better. Uh, and you hope that obviously just being around the team and, and, and his guys and getting back out there on the field will help him in that regard, too. Yeah, a hundred one hundred percent. And now when, when it comes to where he is at physically right now, he's he's in a good spot. Like I said, a couple of months ago, he was already running routes. Now he's running out routes, which is putting a lot of pressure on his leg. And I asked him where he was in terms of what he's able to do. And he didn't say that he has no limitations, but essentially what I got from reading everything and listening to him was he has no limitations until the trainers say, okay, let's just pull it back a little bit. You've been, you've been doing a lot right now. Let's pull it back to make sure that swelling doesn't get too intense to make sure that you're able to go tomorrow. So to me, it seems like he's doing everything. And we've seen the videos that the Broncos have dropped. We haven't been able to watch uh, a full practice yet, but the the clips that we've seen on field in person, KJ's out there doing normal things. He's catching balls. He's running routes. He, he's running full speed seemingly. And he told us he's running 19, 20 miles an hour, which is pretty damn fast. So physically, He's doing great, except he's not a full participant every single day. But I would still say sitting here May 12th, that's way better than I expected. He said, he, now he was asked, do you expect to be ready for training camp and week one? And he said, yes. So not exactly sure if he's going to be full speed at training camp. I would bet the Broncos still hold him back a little bit. The, the goal is if he could be back week one, that would be just under a full year since suffering those injuries. And I think, I think that's a realistic timeline. Yeah. If this were a clean ACL, I think uh, they'd be closer to clearing him uh, for full participation and not holding him back. But when you throw in the hip issues and then you throw in the hamstring issues before then uh, that, that he had, I can see why that, they're holding him that they are holding him back from time to time. I mean, that, and that's, that's the job of the team's medical staff. Sometimes it's to save the player from oneself because yeah. instinct is okay. I, I want to go. I want to go. I want to go. They've got to have a bigger picture perspective and say, look, uh, you know, we, we got to think about your long term here. So, I mean, if he's back by week one, that's phenomenal. But if he's close and we'll be back not long after that, it's it's not it's not the worst thing. I mean, even though KJ is halfway into his Broncos contract, for his sake, you still need to think about the long term and the and the chances of him having uh, a long career and trying to do everything you can to help those chances. Also, a little bit of like a both things can be true situation where uh, Mike Kliss had said it was more complicated than just an ACL. And then right after it, like George Payton was like, everything's going great. He's ahead of schedule. We were like, wait, who's right here? I guess right. I guess both people were right. Yeah, you're right. And that that's it's really crazy because one should have not followed the other. But somehow those two things are happening. And in the comment section, higher learning is saying I haven't even I hadn't even heard about his hip until this interview. And that's because uh, that's what we had heard was that the injury was worse than expected. But we didn't know exactly what that was, but just a, a brutal, brutal injury. And do you guys expect him to be full go week one? No. No, but I don't, I hate, thing. I don't expect anything. I, I really don't. And, and it's not, that it has nothing to do with KJ. Uh, it's not his fault, but he is, you know, I worry like, okay, well, he's had all this time um, rehabbing. What's going to happen when he finally does get up to full speed. We already know that he has those hamstring issues. Like what have they, maybe hopefully, and, and I'm sure they, you know, would if, if there's anything they can do, hopefully during this rehab, they've been trying to do anything they can to make his hamstrings, you know, uh, more flexible and, and, you know, able to withstand more, but I'm just so, so concerned. And I also, when, when anytime someone misses training camp, it just feels like it's, it's not, you know, it, I, I try to remember someone who like actually missed training camp for an injury and then went out there and like was looked great. Um, I, no one comes to the top of my head. I'm sure there are people who have done it, but that worries me. 
Um, and it kind of feels like, okay, well, once they've missed training camp, um, we can we can hold them out week one or two, you know. So I, I don't truly expect anything, um, but I think there's a lot on the table that he could bring um, if he does come back. Frankly, I think it's a similar conversation that's going to be had about Randy Gregory as well. If they decide to be conservative with him bringing him back, is it possible that maybe uh, he ends up start? Could he start training camp on on the pup list? Could KJ Hamler start training camp on on the pup list? I mean, it just depends kind of how much they want to work him. I would anticipate that Hamler may have reached a point where they want to just start kind of easing him up very slowly in camp, and that he's not on the pup, but maybe Randy Gregory is on the pup. And then the thing is, if you stay on the pup through camp, then you get to week one, and sometimes you start thinking, well, we've come this far. Would another six weeks actually help him be back to 100%, especially now with a 17-game a schedule and this team thinking in terms of January and February in terms of their goals? Can we and, change and that's how the, this Broncos um, mindset that's how yeah. this Broncos mindset should be different than in yeah. years past. Uh, they, they don't have to get off to a fast start. They need to be playing the long game here. Can we change the definition of pup to just physically unable to practice <laughs> instead of physically unable to perform? It just feels so uh, so like much more ED insulting. Issue. Yeah, <laughs> so physically unable to perform. Like, uh, I, like I could be physically unable to practice. You don't even have to change the acronym. <laughs> right, right, exactly. I I agree about that. And and when it comes down to KJ, uh, I was talking with a buddy about this yesterday, and he said. He was saying that he doesn't buy into being injury prone. And I agree with that for the most part about if you hurt your elbow on a play and you hurt your knee on a different play, they didn't have anything to do with one another. However, with KJ and when we talk about him, uh, I, I do think the hip in the ACL, it was a freak injury but he had four hamstring injuries in, in during the course of his, his rookie season in 2020, I should say before he came out. And then when he was on the team and that's something that, that does concern you. Is he just, is his body too powerful for the size it is being, you know, 180 pounds. And so that's something that the Broncos just really, really, really have to be careful with uh, is just not pushing him too hard in this recovery because, and, and, and I love that he's very cognizant of, okay, I need to be held back. I need to listen to, the trainers and I'm really happy that they're holding him back but guys this is probably something that the Broncos once he feels 100% uh, and, and is 100% with the hip and the ACL they probably still want to monitor whether that's a, a snap count every game this season whether it's a practice count every every week this season it's something that they want to be mindful of because that's something that his body has proven just can't necessarily hold up I mean you have to you go back to heat the fact that he had a knee injury uh, when he was in high school in 2016. And so basically three of the, basically you look at uh, 2016 through 21 and he was a red shirt in 17, played 18, played 19, but that's three of the last six seasons that have been significantly affected by various and sundry injuries. And so unfortunately, I mean, it's not something that he wants to hear. It's not something that supporters of KJ Hamler want to hear. The record is he's injury prone. Yeah. And like, I, I kind of agree with what you're saying, Zach. And like, it doesn't mean you're injury prone if it's always something different. But like, didn't you have friends when you were younger who always had some sort of injury going on? Like I had one of my buddies who literally, I believe he broke both arms and broke both legs multiple times. Oh um, my God. And like the funniest, like the funny part was, uh, he actually listens to the show. Shout out Ben. Um, but the funny part is uh, he, he like, loved milk more than any of us like that was just like part, like he's like the type of person who we would like go to a restaurant he'd be like do you guys have milk um <laughs> and then of course he somehow just like always ended up breaking bones and like it wasn't like he had any sort of like condition he just some you know he just somehow was always falling awkwardly and hurting himself and like <laughs> just because it was like being spread around his body I, i'm like yeah you're still like he's injury prone you know yeah, yeah, and certainly yeah. if it's if it comes to breaking things, maybe you legitimately do just have weak bones, and then that that is something. Uh, and I feel it's, like it's just like um, you are like like cursed, like you just yeah. whatever reason you're all like. I even had another friend who was like who's always like spraining an ankle or like dislocating a shoulder. It's like I don't know, you just weren't like blessed with the injury luck. 
I'm probably cursing myself right now, but I've never broken anything. And I'm uh, a me lot either. of people look at me and say, you look like someone that would have a lot of broken stuff. <laughs> <laughs> when you fall, there's not that much impact. That's, that's the thing. true. It's true. That, that's it. That's how it is. But guys, with KJ Hamler, it's it's so Wait, real exciting. Quick. Yeah, there is a um, there is an entire subreddit dedicated to people who have never broken bones before. Okay. Um, <laughs> and what do they talk about in there? Um, most of the posts are people who are like in the subreddit admitting that they've um, now broken a bone. So they have to leave. <laughs> and the funniest part is that everyone just shames the shit out of them. And they're like, you were never one of us, you weak bones loser. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, and then yeah. that person who was shaming then breaks a bone and then they get shamed on their and way out. It's just constant comedy. Great, yep. great subreddit. <laughs> wow, that is something That's I did it. not expect. Uh, uh, but, but, the rabbit but, hole of Reddit is is kind of frightening at times. That's for sure. There's everything on Reddit. But guys, when we talk about KJ, it's there's still such an exciting factor because of what he can become. And yesterday, he went on to say more than just what how he's feeling. He went on to say what he wants to become and what he thinks he can him be he can become. And it's 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 really exciting. And I want to dive into that. But first, I gotta tell you about our friends over at Light Shade Dispensary, where they have Wana Optimals, which is a fast asleep 20 to 100 THC to CBD ratio. If you need to get some shut eye turn to wanna because it gets you a well-rounded recipe for sleeping and it gets you to bed early or it gets you to bed right away and then it also keeps you asleep and if you want to get them you can check out any of Lightshade dispensaries 11 denver locations including their newest location in barnum which is one block off sixth and federal it's their biggest store and they have specialty products not offered at other stores so go to lightshade.com or any of their 11 locations and use the code dnvr when you're there for 25 percent off all non-sale items that's dnvr over at lightshade.com or any of their 11 stores also come hang out at the dnvr bar we're on a little bit of a playoff break right now as the abs wait for uh, these other teams to catch up for them uh catch up to them um but should be as early as monday or tuesday next week we're uh, getting started again with the avalanche and there's truly no better place other than ball arena to come watch games heck even if you aren't an Avs fan or even a hockey fan, you just want to come down and experience this. It, it's it's like nothing else you've ever seen, uh, in my opinion, especially at a bar in Denver. Uh, it gets so rowdy. Everyone's so into it. You'll make some good friends with the NVR members. You'll have, you know, a couple member beers um, and uh, and come down and have a great time. But especially if you're an Avs fan or a hockey fan, you, you got to come down and hang. And if you can't come down and hang, but you still want to watch your local teams, check out Evoca TV. Of course, uh, it's the, the Avs no longer have games on altitude for this season, and the Nuggets are done. But, I mean, altitude and Comcast, they may still be fighting it out months from now. You want to make sure you can watch every one of your favorite Colorado teams, and Evoca TV will help you do that. They've got altitude sports. They've got they, – they've got – AT&T Sportsnet Rocky Mountain, so you can watch all of those Colorado Rockies games as well. A little bit of a, a, a bump this week, but still off to a promising start. Ivaca TV is a totally new paradigm for television delivery that is less expensive, more efficient, and offers a superior picture to the legacy providers. They've got altitude, like I said. They've got AT&T Sports Rocky Mountain, and Ivaca is growing constantly, adding new channels to its lineup. It's available in Denver, Colorado Springs, Phoenix, Boise, and Twin Falls, Idaho. And here's how to sign up for Evoca TV and watch all your favorite Colorado sports teams. Go to Evoca TV, Evoca.tv slash DNVR. That's E-V-O-C-A dot TV slash DNVR. Use the promo code DNVR and get $10 off your first three months at Evoca. That's going to be only 15 bucks a month for Evoca for the first three months plus the cost of a receiver. You have no contracts. No hidden fees. You can rent the receiver or you can purchase it up front. Either way, you're going to be good to go to get all your favorite Colorado teams. So check out evoca.tv slash DNVR. Use the promo code DNVR and get 10 bucks off your first three months and get back to watching the Colorado teams that you love. Real quick, 5280 Hazy says, haven't watched hockey like that since the lockout, unfortunately. Wish I was still into it or since the strike. Um, come down. Just come, come for one. 
come for one, and I feel like you might be reinvigorated. Um, this is very arguably, you know, we'll see if they get the job done, but the best Avs team ever. Um, you know, from a points perspective, they are. Um, and it is so unbelievably fun to watch them play. And I think I think if you came down and just got in the mix a little, you might uh, you might get your love for hockey back. Here's the thing. If you want to be hooked on the abs and hockey again, just come to the bar and you will be hooked. That's the decision you have to make is do you want to be hooked again? And if so, well, the bar is the place to go. And really quick, speaking of the comment section, I want to know the weirdest subreddit. So if you're tuning in live, drop the weirdest subreddits in there. But let's let's keep it what, PG-13? weirdest appropriate. Oh yeah, there are some NSFW ones that are just oh my oh, god. I, I know there certainly are. And if you're tuning in live, we'd really appreciate it if you hit us with the thumbs up, subscribe, turn on alerts because, like Ryan said, we're going live tonight. Sometimes we go live at weird times based on the Broncos schedule. And if you have those alerts and a subscribe turn on, you will know exactly when we're going live so we really appreciate all the love that you guys give us all right so what oh i was gonna say let's uh let's talk more about tyler lockett and besides just or but not tyler lockett kj hamler because he talked about tyler lockett yesterday uh when he was talking about his role in the offense he said he wants to be a deep threat and i think we all agree with that but two different times he said, I kind of see myself playing that Tyler Lockett role this year. And he talked about that being the deep threat, but bringing that Tyler Lockett role here to Denver. When you guys hear that, what do you think? Uh, not not where he currently stands on the depth chart. He's not going to be able to do that. I, I mean, yeah, I, I get where it's coming from, right? I think there's definitely similarities there. And KJ might even be a tick faster than Tyler Lockett. Um, and, and also, you know, a tick lesser as just a polished receiver. But when I'm sure any t- I'm sure all of these guys were just like us, right? As soon as the Broncos got Russ, they're just pulling up any Russ highlight they can possibly watch. And of course, when KJ sees Tyler Lockett running those slot fades and, you know, the deep, deep posts and all that stuff, KJ saying, oh, I can do this, man. I can I can run these routes. Um, and. I think it's a great goal for him to attain, you know, to set for himself. Remember, when the Broncos drafted KJ Hamler, it wasn't all just about speed. He is also a very crafty route runner. Um, the problem is we just have barely got to see it, um, and and there are some really good highlights out there of him showing that off. So I think like that's a really great person for him to model his game after. Um, the interesting thing is like, should they should they be watching more Seattle tape or should they be watching Green Bay tape? Um, and seeing where they fit in the offense, because it's probably somewhere in between those things. Um, but if KJ wants the ball, make yourself as much like Tyler Lockett as you possibly can, because Russ loved him some Tyler Lockett. 100%. And and Ryan, you said two things there that I think uh, I'm going to dive in on a little bit more. One, I think KJ Hamler is straight up faster uh, than Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett, and now I know 40 times aren't everything, but Tyler Lockett, at least when I watch him, I don't think uh, he's going deep every single time. And that's the second thing. Tyler Lockett right now is a better overall possession receiver uh, than KJ Hamler. And also what Mace said, being on the depth chart, he's a starting guy that's going to be out there 95 or, you know, 90% of the plays. And he and DK were the two staples on that offense. KJ is not going to be that. So I think there's elements. And, and I think Tyler trying to be Tyler Lockett for his career is a great place to be. But I think this year and even these next few years, I think KJ can be more of a deep threat than Tyler Lockett. If you look at Tyler Lockett's numbers throughout his career, he averages 13 and a half yards per catch. If you look at that compared to, to what, what happened in the NFL last year, that puts him 34th in the league for yards per catch. That's not where KJ Hamler should be. KJ Hamler should be where Tyler Lockett was just last year, where Tyler Lockett averaged 16 and a half yards per catch or 17. That's what KJ should be. So I think that this year in the next few years, KJ should be a bigger deep threat than Tyler Lockett. However, KJ is not going to be getting 100 catches, 82 catches, 73 catches. That's what Tyler Lockett's done these past three years. I think that's crazy to expect that. I mean, I would even say 
uh, the reception numbers from his first three years when Lockett was making his name as much as a returner as a wide receiver. And if Montreal Washington is what Dwayne, Dwayne Stukes hopes he can be, that opportunity is not going to avail itself for Keisha Hamler. But you go back to Lockett's first three years, 69 targets, 51 receptions as a rookie, 66 targets, 41 catches second year, 71 targets, 45 catches. It's He's going to be hard-pressed to even get those numbers. I think uh, the, the thing that you kind of look back at in, in all of those years, uh, Lockett was generally second among wide receivers on the Seahawks in terms of how they were used. You had Jimmy Graham kind of in there as well, as well, but uh, he was basically the number two wide receiver. And I mean, you admire how KJ Hamler is working, no doubt, but same time, is he going to push Cortland Sutton out? Is he going to push Tim Patrick out? Is he going to push Jerry Judy out? That's kind of hard to envision right now, unless you have multiple injuries among those top three guys. Yeah. What's interesting is like, you got to ask yourself who is more likely to be running, you know, if they bring over concepts from Seattle, which of course they're going to do, um, especially the ones that Russ loves, who's more likely to be running the locket routes. Is it, is it KJ Hamler? I, I don't, uh, you know, I think it might be more likely that Jerry Judy is running those routes. Um, I agree. So again, I think that's exactly how KJ should be envisioning himself. He should be saying, I'm coming in here. I'm, watching Tyler Lockett tape, I'm becoming that for Russ. You know, I want those 70-plus catches. Um, I want to get the ball near their line of scrimmage, too, not just be running straight routes. But I think what's going to happen is there's going to be a K.J. Hamler package. And depending on how healthy he is, how many games he plays, it starts building and building. Maybe in week one, it's a five-play package. Maybe if he stays healthy all year, by the end of the year, they've got 25 K.J. Hamler plays that they're putting in there. And obviously, he's not going to get the ball on all of them. But they're saying, hey, let's use K.J. to stretch the field here. If he's open, throw it to him. If not, there should be some room underneath that. Um, And that, at least for this year, is probably where he's at now. As the as the years go on and, you know, if he's able to stay healthy and stay in the mix, then he should be aiming to be Tyler Lockett um, and better. Like he has probably a little, a few more tools than Tyler Lockett at his disposal. And KJ doesn't just want to be one of the people out there. He wants, he should strive to be one specific one. And that's Donovan people's Jones, his stat line last year, 34 catches, 597 yards and three touchdowns. That was a 17.6 yards per reception. Of course, KJ doesn't want to strive for 34 catches and 600 yards, but if he comes out and has a season like that, I think that's a a high-end realistic bar for him is two catches a game, but they're going for 20 yards each time, and one of them's going to be five yards, one of them's going to be 45 yards, and you get a couple touchdowns in there. I think that's kind of not a ceiling, but a a, a stretch for him to be reaching for. And I think that would be a fantastic uh, place for him because Russ is going to be throwing the ball a lot, but as we've said, he's fourth on the depth chart and he really does. He, he doesn't, he's not just fourth on the depth chart with kind of no role. He has a specific role. And I agree with you, Ryan, there's going to be KJ Hamler packages out there and he's going to be used as a decoy, which you don't see often for a non-starter where he can come in and be a decoy, but he should be, he should be getting, only a couple catches a game, but they should be going for big yards. Yeah. Uh, in the comments, someone said, wouldn't be surprised if Montreal Washington takes the Hamler role. Very different players, honestly. Um, you know, they both have one thing in common. It's speed. But even then, KJ Hamler is like exponentially faster, um, at least on the scale of speed in the NFL. Um, so Montreal is, is truly being brought here to be a return man. Um, if he contributes on offense, I think it will be very um, uh, vanilla in terms of what he actually does. Grab a jet sweep, try to get him in an open field. We know he has an unreal bag of moves. So if you get him, you know, in, in a situation where he gets to make one move and go and, you know, he's trying to make people miss in the open field, you do that. But he's not going to be out there running routes, even, you know, even if it's just a nine route, like KJ Hamler is, is far, far more equipped to get open at the NFL level on a nine route than, than Montreal. It's all about moves and vision for Washington. I mean, you watch that 
kickoff return he had against Florida, for example, and seeing just these tiny crevices and being able to attack them and find and, and work his way into the open field. And that's uh, that that's a club that KJ Hamler doesn't have in his bag, but the raw speed is a club that Montreal Washington doesn't have, at least on the level of KJ Hamler. So yeah, they're yeah, they're and- they're different types of guys. And when you think of uh, Montreal Washington being a fifth-round pick, just also remember that he was shocked to be a fifth-round pick. He was surprised to honestly be drafted. So, uh, and, and that's why the the Broncos use a fifth-round pick on him is because they think he can be special as a return guy. So yeah. were a lot of the uh, astute draft observers. I mean, that's why you had uh, a lot of pe- a lot of uh, the analytics crowd looking at that relative to uh, draft projections is maybe the biggest reach in the draft because like he, I think everyone was surprised when they, when, when he heard his name called. Yeah. And, and he really has to be special for me to like the pick. Like in terms of after he might've been my favorite person to watch, but I also think back to the fact that I said, you know, as soon as you got Russell Wilson, returning just became irrelevant um in my opinion you know it's like just catch the ball that's all i care about now it would be great if he's really good at catching the ball and also happens to be able to break some and you know get some easy yards but your offense should be fine from the 2025 this year you know you should expect a a a very solid success rate from them um on those possessions if he's you know if if he's got to at least at the very least be two to one touchdowns to turnovers um for for you know for it to be okay if he turns the ball over at all man i i actually i don't think he has to be special i i I really love them using a fifth round pick on just a pure returner i kind of like that we disagree about that but you do bring up a good point you don't have to force things on special teams and he should not be forcing things like he did in college where of course uh ryan you dug up that he says he doesn't fair catch and i like how he's already said no 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 (laughs) i will certainly be fair catching in the nfl uh as you should never put the ball in harm's way because russ Russell Wilson should be touching it every single time unless Montreal Washington gets in the end zone. But what, 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 man, I just think about even when you had Peyton Manning, uh, you, you still could have had Trinity or Trendon holiday win a playoff game for you. If it wasn't for Raheem Moore and, and everything that went down that game, he had two touchdowns in that game to keep him in. That's going to be Montreal Washington. There's going to be a game where the offense can't do anything. And you hope that he's able to do something to get enough of a spark where then the defense can win the game. I mean, why why should we have a phase that's lesser? I mean, you point to the, that playoff game. I mean, there's a reason why that 2012 team was the best overall team uh, of the Peyton Manning era. You had a top-five defense, and then you had, I, I don't know where it was in the uh, Rick Gosselin rankings, but Britton Colquitt had a good year. Matt Prater had a great year. And Trinan Holiday was a threat to go the distance every time he touched the ball. I mean, that was that was maybe the best uh, – that's the best three-phase team the Broncos have had probably since the 97-98 seasons. And, again, you kind of – you had uh, Darian Gordon, who was a threat to go all the way on punt returns back in the day and not a, not a, a defense that, that was stout in terms of yards allowed produced a lot of takeaways and the offense being what it was. Yeah, Let's shoot to get every phase of this team right. Yep, exactly. I just, you know, I think my, uh, we're talking about PTSD in the comments about Zach bringing up Raheem Moore. Um, my PTSD is Isaiah McKenzie, who was almost the exact same thing, you know, drafted strictly to be a returner, maybe to help out on, on offense a little bit in limited packages. Um, given the job essentially from the second that he walked into the building, and was like an out and out failure um couldn't have gone worse so that's where i'm at of like okay you you better get this right or else it will you know you end up cutting them because you can't handle the turnovers touch wood uh and it was a waste of a pick um so that's that's where i'm at on it a little bit one last thing on like the kj hamler comp when kj hamler went down last year you did not see deontay spencer getting any almost any snaps in his role 
No, a hundred percent not. And and I think you're right that that's not going to be Montre Washington. He's not going to be a backup to KJ Hamler and be taking those snaps in training camp and preparing to be him. Uh, and Ryan, just really quick on the the Isaiah McKenzie comp. I think because Isaiah McKenzie went out and now he's succeeding, not just as a returner, but as an offensive weapon out in Buffalo, that points to the coaching staff doing it wrong and handling him wrong, probably from the minute he got here because he was just given the job. And then uh, I remember there were, they were flip-flopping on what they were going to do with him. It's like, uh, he's not going to catch punts. And then he's back there catching punts. And then he doesn't know whether to go out of bounds or not. And that right there is, is going to, it's a big job on this coaching staff on how they're going to handle it. And right now they haven't given him the starting job, but I mean, they've pretty much put it on a silver platter and said, bud, uh, as a rookie, you, you have this job unless you blow it. Yeah. And that's the thing. The thing is what kind of went wrong in, in 17, it wasn't that Isaiah McKenzie went into camp as the number one punt returner. It was that as the struggles mounted, as the ball security issues mounted, he didn't lose the job. And that's, that's a key thing. What, and that was one of the things that, frankly, caused Vance Joseph to lose uh, respect, especially from some veterans in the locker room. That's like that, that McKenzie was going out there and having misjudgments and making bad plays, and they were still putting him out there. They're like, you know, what has this kid done? Why is he keeping the job despite all this? Where's the accountability for him? Yeah, yeah no. and and dis- despite the flashbacks to uh, Raheem Moore and uh, Isaiah McKenzie, there's been a lot of smiles in the first 40 minutes of this pot. And if you want your smile looking great, you got to visit our friends over at Green Mountain Dental, where they are the best damn family-owned dentistry in the Denver metro area. They're only a 15-minute drive from downtown Denver. And when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll get a free Sonicare toothbrush. That's all you have to do. Schedule a cleaning x-ray exam. Take care of your teeth. They're going to give you a free Sonicare toothbrush. We all got to go to the dentist a couple of times a year. You might as well go to people that aren't just going to treat you right, but they're going to be able to talk Colorado sports with you because they are diehard Colorado sports fans. They're part of our family, and you guys know supporting our partners is supporting us, so we'd appreciate it if you checked out Green Mountain Dental. All right, we got a couple super chats to hit here, so let's do that real quick if you could bring those up, Kale. First one here from Kenji McCarthy. Uh, hey guys, I always think about this scenario. If you could go back in time three years and show this year's roster to yourselves, then how would you react? Ah! Oh, wow. I mean, you'd be, you'd be over the moon with, with this. Cause what are we talking about three years ago? It's, uh, it's case Keenum. Well, no, it would three years ago, right now, you would have just had the 2019 draft. So you would have just drafted Drew Locke. Oh, right, you would have right, just right. drafted uh, Noah Fant. And you would have had Joe Flacco as the quarterback. I mean, yeah, we would yeah. have been being sold on Joe Flacco being in his prime. Mace, I can't believe that's three years ago. That feels like 10 <laughs> years ago. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I, I know. But I mean, it just life moves pretty fast. Like the first reaction would have been, oh, wow. They got Russell Wilson. My second reaction would have been and I look at the, looking at the roster and not seeing Drew Locke and not seeing Noah Fant. And I would have been like, you know, and Vaughn Miller and Vaughn Miller. Well, Vaughn Miller, I could have seen because his contract would have expired uh, by then. True. But with with Fant and Drew Locke, I would have been like, what 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 happened? I would have wanted to know what took place. Yeah, why they yeah. didn't work. I don't even think I would have made it past. The first, like, if the first line of the roster was Russell Wilson, I wouldn't have even kept looking at it. I would have just been like, "Oh my God, this is amazing." (laughs) And I think not seeing Joe Flacco on there still, I think I probably would have been like, "Eh, I told you he wasn't the guy." (laughs) Yeah, you would have been like, "John lied to us. He lied to us." (laughs) Elite Prime, baby. (laughs) Yikes! He wasn't the only one. You know, he takes the most flack for that, but. a lot of people on that coaching staff were very, very wrong about what Joe Flacco was. You mean he takes the most Flacco for that? He does. Yes, yes. he does. <laughs> and I guess he deserves it. But, man, I heard some – I mean, I even reported it at one point that the Broncos believed he, he would be a top-10 quarterback in the NFL that year. Yeah. Was he ever – did he ever have a top-10 game? Top-10 week in QBR? <laughs> All right. <laughs> mm, I don't know. Maybe that Jacksonville game – I. I don't know. Maybe Man, I, maybe the Charger game when they actually won and he had the deep strike to Cortland. I don't know. 
I, I forgot all of that. Yeah, me too. The, <laughs> honestly, I remember two things from the Joe Flacco era. One, I don't know why I remember this, um, but on the very first drive, I believe it was, or one of the very first drives of his first game, he threw a, like a missile to uh, Cortland Sutton on a slant. Um, or maybe it was a post. I can't remember exactly. But I just remember being like, oh, okay, uh, that's a throw that Case Keenum couldn't have made. Um, and I that you know that was like a good start. And then the other thing I remember is just the the play he got injured on, and and of course the uh, the very open minded quotes afterwards. <laughs> yeah, he knew he was done, and he wasn't going to go out without uh, without shooting a shot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, let's get into the comments here over on the D. Oh, sorry, there was one, one more. more. Um, from Kenji again. Been a lifelong fan, man, and I'm hoping to catch my first Broncos game this year. Hoping. To meet y'all, keep being awesome. If you're in Denver, you will definitely have your opportunity to meet us. Um, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a great year of tailgates. I can't even. I mean, I can't fathom it, and it's awesome. <laughs> it's gonna be so cool. And, and we were asked the question: What are we most excited for this year, non-football related? Like, what's gonna be the most different? And and that was what I said: was just the tailgates and the pregame experience out that outside the stadium is going to be so much better. And I think it's gonna hit us the most because I mean, we we were one of the only people out there having tailgates already. It's going to be blowing up this year. Yep, totally. All right, let's jump into the comments from the listeners here. And the first one comes in from JPAC SoCal Bronco uh, from our previous regime. Matt Russell is going to the Eagles and also bringing with him Jordan Dizon. Besides Dizon, has George Payton retained anyone else from his scouting staff from last season? If not, who else is left? Thank you, DNVR, and never stop being amazing. Yes, very sad to uh, lose a buff out of the organization. Um, uh, Jordan Dizon, actually like 10 out of 10, dude. Maybe my favorite college linebacker I've ever watched. The dude was absolutely electric sideline to sideline. Um, drafted in the NFL, I believe, second round. Yep, um, yep. And dealt with injuries, unfortunately, or else he w- I think he would have been a, a fun player to watch throughout his career. Um, but, yeah, going to join another buff in Matt Russell uh, over there in Philly. For yeah, the most part- yeah, Matt Russell actually was the one who really helped him get to the Broncos in the first place. So it's kind of it, it's it's appropriate and and not surprising. I think that he would follow uh, Matt Russell of Philadelphia. But like you said, good dude. Always always like talking to him, and uh, I'm sure we'll see him around at uh, combines and things like that. I know yeah, it's and, tough and for, he was like my guy in the organization to talk buffs with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he was. <laughs> the uh, the buffs are slowly leaving. I'm sorry, RK. Uh, and uh, in terms of uh, people that uh, George Payton have retained, he's actually done a really good job giving everyone a fair shot to come in and stay. Uh, you see a lot of scouts have stayed the same. Now, he is starting to bring in his own people, but it's not like he came in and blew everyone out and then brought in his own people right away. No, now he he's bringing in Reed Burkhart, who was with him for 13 years in Minnesota to, to kind of almost be his second right-hand man. Of course, he's got Kelly Klein and George Payton has Kelly Klein in his inner circle. Uh, he's got uh, Muji in his inner circle, who's literally his right-hand man. Uh, but but Muji's a great example of a guy that kept, was stayed in the organization and now is George Payton's uh, literally the assistant GM. Yeah, and like you looked at the scouts, he's kept some of them around as well. And I think part of that is George Payton has a background as a scout. I think he understands their experiences and kind of, and I think has a, a certain degree of empathy uh, for what they go through whenever there's a new general manager. So it doesn't surprise me that he's giving uh, them a chance. And really cool that when the Broncos made their day three picks, that on that on their social media channels the person talking about the picks was often one of the scouts like uh, for example the, the longest tenure bronco employee is uh, a scout who's actually now they call him a senior college consultant that's scott di stefano and having him out there i believe talk about matt henningson when they picked him uh, it's really cool to see him kind of put those people in Uh-oh. the spotlight let's go on to our next comment come Coming in from Denver Rival says, hey, guys, I'm excited for tomorrow. My charity flag football program will have its kickoff party at Stoney's Bar and Grill starting at 6 p.m. Hope to see the DNVR, DNVR fam there. I thought I would comment today about my where you were when Wilson was traded story. So that day I was at work late. 
afternoon and my wife and I had an ultrasound appointment for our little dude that's due in September. I was doing what I could be to be a good husband and focused on getting us to the appointment on time. So I didn't look at my phone all morning. As we were parking and walking up to the clinic, I got a notification from a friend, an old coworker that is a Packers fan and weirdly a Chargers fan too. It was the ESPN post showing that Russ has been traded to the Broncos. My eyes widened intensely, but I did not want my wife to think I was more excited about the Broncos news than our baby. So I kept it in for a long, for a long time after our appointment and drive home. The little guy is doing great. I quickly dropped off my wife. And as I was driving to work, I started freaking out and turned on the podcast ASAP. I got my Wilson jersey in the mail this week and I'm ready to ride. Keep up the great stuff, guys. In DNVR fam, hope to see you at the Denver Rivals party. Oh, that's an awesome story. Congratulations to you and your wife on the new guy coming. Yeah, and we can only uh, assume that its name is Wilson. Ah, there we go. I love it. We There was, uh, I don't remember who it was, but there was uh, uh, on Twitter going around yesterday, a, a baby that was born named uh, Thomas after Demarius Thomas. Yeah, nice. that was really cool. Really cool. Um, at first I thought the, the baby was named Demarius and I was like, damn, that's serious dedication <laughs> right there. But <laughs> It would be. <laughs> and maybe it was like one, one, uh, one part of the couple uh, proposed Demarius and said, no, no, no. What, what about Tom? It's like, <laughs> All right. yeah. okay, yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Wilson is like a grow, growing in popularity as a first name. So yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Maybe he's well, getting ideas now. I, I've, I've yeah. been on a little bit of a roll recently with giving out names, um, but I'm not as good as Andre's daughter who um, suggested to name their cat muffin sock. Um, which I personally believe might be the greatest pet name of all time. It, it's 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 so good. I can't believe there's any pushback. I can't either. I can't either. <laughs> I mean, now maybe maybe if his daughter was wanting to name like their son uh, <laughs> Muffin Sock, maybe then some pushback from a parent's okay. But a cat, come on. Yeah, it's a yeah. black cat. They you know they've done a a few Denver sports names, and I said like. Black cats, kind of like spooky. What about bones? Oh, I like that. That's that's a good one there. Yeah. yeah. All right. From Randy Chubsack. Uh, gentlemen, <laughs> can you break down your process of what you pay attention to when analytically watching NFL games? The Athletic recently put out an article about how to become a better student of the game. I'd like to know what details you pick up on that fans like me on the couch can learn to observe. It really just depends on my perspective. It's really hard uh, in my opinion, to watch analytically on television um, in terms of just like, you know, what coverage is out there? Where, you know, where, where should the ball be going on this play? Should they be uh, checking into a run? Like when you're sitting in the press box or like I like to sit, you know, up there in the South stands um, and you get that bird's eye view of what's going on for me, that's what I'm looking at. Okay. What coverages um, are they presenting to the offense? What are the weak points of that, of those coverages? Can the Broncos, expose those do they have the players or you know quarterback which a lot of times the answer was no um and you know what um you know what matchups can they take advantage of um that's what i like to pay attention to usually if i'm watching the game on tv i have to wait later until I, you see the all 22 um to kind of get into and dive into um the way i like to watch a game analytically yeah, I think Man. like yeah, for me, I think it's um, I try to kind of watch from the inside out, and like the, the when you you're in the, when you're in the press box or even watching on TV, far more often than not, you're going to get a replay on what's happening with the ball. So if you don't see it right then, you're going to see it right after, uh, but you're not necessarily going to get a replay of what goes on at the line of scrimmage. And so that I usually try to kind of start by watching. Uh, you know, watching guard, center, guard, and then kind of the tackles out from that. Watch what they do. What's the, you know, if you get a big play, what's the O-line's responsibility for that? Or if the defense breaks through, like, what, what you know, what happened? Who had the breakdown there? And that's where I kind of, I always kind of start with the line. Yeah, and, and Ryan kind of hit it. If you talk to football guys, they're going to point to the all 22, which is that angle that Ryan's talking about uh, where, where you get to see the field from not the TV side. It, it's for, it's from the back or the front, depending on where the game's going. It's one of my biggest gripes with just the way that football is broadcast is a lot of times, you know, before the play, you have no idea, like you have no idea what, what the defense is trying to do, where the safeties are, you know, like the, it's a little bit too zoomed in. I think I think we're very close 
to an option of being able to watch games from an all 22 perspective. Mm, yeah, I could see that coming. Next one from Chilango Bronco says, Hey guys, so I must be one of the few that aren't excited for the London game. I was really hoping the game would come to Estadio Azteca. I believe that the altitude of Mexico City made it feel like a home game. And I was fortunate to watch Elway and the Broncos play the Dolphins here in 97. Trivia for Mace, name the Mexican player that was one uh, that was on the Broncos roster at that time. Love the traditional offseason debate. Hashtag team legs, hashtag team two straws and, or two holes in a straw, hashtag foods that can be any meal much love uh that's marco martos nfl europe legend played for the barcelona dragons for a number of years also played for the cologne centurions that's that is the uh the mexican player who was on the roster i think he was also on the dallas cowboys for another year when the cowboys played down in mexico he was he, he they they wanted to uh to show the league wanted to showcase him and make sure he got on those rosters at the time well, I feel like that, uh, you know, little flex from Mace there is about as good as any <laughs> segue. Uh, and we do have, uh, we're short on time today, so I want to make sure we yeah. give enough time to this. Um, no fun or easy or good way to uh, to segue into this, but this will be uh, will be Mace's last show with us, which is uh, a bummer. And Mace, we've enjoyed it so, so much. It's been great. Uh, your knowledge that you've brought to this show has been fantastic. It's been really fun. Uh, hundreds, I mean, hundreds of show that we've all done together. So uh, we appreciate you very, very much. And then we're going to miss you. Yeah. Thanks fellas. And I appreciate working with you guys and uh, everyone uh, at DNVR and everyone behind the scenes and, you know, Kale, Kale and Allie and everyone else who makes us look good as we transition to a video element on this. Um, it's not easy, but um, I've kind of alluded to the fact that uh, my wife and daughter are based in Wisconsin right now. So, I mean, some of you may be aware that Friday is my last day on the radio side, uh, doing a five days a week show. And I just, I need to get, a, I need to get some more time, especially in the off season with them. So can't really do a five days a week in person anymore. It's kind of ironic that we're ending doing it uh, remotely like this, but I'm going to, I'm going to write, I'm, I'm going to, I've got a few more things to write here. I'm writing the schedule piece tonight and, uh, I'm going to, uh, Zach and I will have you covered over from, uh, rookie mini camp this weekend. And then, uh, uh, what comes next? I'll uh, that'll be out there in, in a few days. I I will say I will I will still be writing about the Broncos. I'm just not going to be doing uh, five days a week shows anymore. But uh, I gotta I gotta put the fam first. That's why I'm wearing the Bucky Bagsher hat today. <laughs> Well, Mace, we're going to miss you, and uh, I can't tell you how much of an honor it's been to to work with you, the the smartest man in oh, this business. It's been awesome. I'm I'm navel lint compared to some, the intelligence of some around. <laughs> well, Mace, uh, of course, we're going to miss you a lot, but um, totally understand family comes first. Yeah. Glad for you that you're going to be able to be able to spend more time with them, and uh and we'll miss you. Like I said, there's no uh, fun or easy way to do this, but we we got to wrap up uh, what, yeah. what will be your last show here. So, again, thanks so much for everything. And, uh, and of course, we'll be following you wherever you go, and, and hopefully we'll have you back on, see you around, bar, the tailgates, all that stuff when you're in town. Well, if I'm welcome to come, uh, you'll I, I, I might not pop in every time, but I'll I'll make a point of coming by, and uh, I'll – we, I'll, I'll probably hopefully you'll bring me on a three ring circus at some point in the off season when I do when I do pop around because I'll I'll be around for the draft and I'll be around for OTAs but uh, huh, I'm gonna, gonna gotta go get some some extra layers here Wisconsin's pretty cold <laughs> <laughs> it's nice this uh, time of year it's lo yeah it's lovely right now I get I get pictures it looks great everything's in bloom and uh, you know, and it'll, and it'll be it'll be really cool to to get to be around to get to be around my family. I've 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 missed the, I've especially missed them this, this off season. Not so much like in season. I'm busy and a lot's going on. They even when they're in town, they don't see me much in season. But it's been kind of tough this off season. So um yeah, thanks to thanks to you guys. Thanks to everyone at DMVR. Thanks to all the all the listeners, all the viewers. Um, and uh, I'll I'll still be talking to you one way or the other. All right, thanks. There's a lot me. of great stuff going on at DMVR. So. People, keep your subscriptions, keep subscribing, keep reading, keep watching. This is a great operation. It's going to go some big places, and I'm glad to have been a small part of it. Well, thanks so much, man. That means a lot. Uh, really appreciate that. All right. Well, we do have to wrap up. Um, thank you guys all for tuning in. Uh, thanks for everything. And, again, one final thanks to Mace. Uh, we'll, we'll see you on the other side.
time.